This is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Hour. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. Howdy Blues and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Episode 65. Mr Johnny Seven, here as always. Flying solo once again this week. No Mark Mark. He's there due to work commitments. Um, and I'm not sounding like Barry White this week. Just fighting off the final remnants of man flu. Uh, Ploughing on like a trooper, as we all have to, I suppose. Um, got a packed podcast here today for you. Uh, we have a look back at the Burnley game coming up in a sec. And then we've got the views of... Everton legend, uh, 80s Everton legend, Derek Manfield with his views on Everton. We've got a little bit on the Everton strike force coming up from him. And then later on in the podcast, we have his views on Everton support in Europe. So some nice words from Derek. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, We've got a little bit of social media, a look ahead at the Swansea and Lille games and all the Everton news of the week. So... We'll start off, as we always try and do so, looking back at Everton's game last weekend against Burnley. Uh, I I'm, I'm went, Mark couldn't end up going in the end, uh, I think it was just one thing too many, and uh, yeah, because he obviously went to Lille last week. Uh, so I went w- with me and Paul. So, the way we set out... Etu came into the side, played with Lukaku. Natesmith started. Uh, Barkley dropped down to the bench. And uh, Coleman come back in. And obviously, Barry and McCarthy uh, resumed their partnership. So, you know, good to see. Good to see that line-up, really. Uh, I think Alcaraz, Alcaraz came back in uh, as well. I, I, I don't think that was a surprise. I think the main surprise was Etu and Lukaku both starting. Osman came in, which I suppose balanced people's uh, expectations or joy at seeing Etu on the starting line. It's rather unfair, really, because I think Osman does okay when he comes in. Uh, But, you know, Etu and Lukaku up top was the main story. The Blues set out. uh, Great start, really. Great, I think it was a 23 or 4 pass move. Uh, I don't think the passing was as crisp as it could have been, but it was still 23, 24 passes. Uh, Etu had a, a good hand straight from the beginning of this move, and then a great header to finish it off in under four minutes. Just talking about, uh, talking about the Burnley Stadium uh, before I go into the match a little bit further. It was like a proper throwback. In fact, the whole thing was like a little bit of a throwback. Uh, the bar underneath the stadium, uh, underneath the stands, was just very, very narrow, wooden seats. Uh, it reminded me the way their their side stands kind of tapered down. It was a little bit like Prenton Park, uh, a tramway. So it was a little bit of a like you know a lower division stadium, which of course you know they they they, they pretty much are a lower. They're not one of the, 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 the regulars in the Premier League, although they have been uh, once or twice before. Uh, they're not mainstays, really. Uh, so you could tell that pretty much from the stadium. 
It was strange getting there. We got a police escort right the way through, you know, from the side of the motorway coming into Burnley. So it was like, I don't know, it felt like royalty in a way. I, I, I don't I don't recall getting... I, I've had police escorts before at away trips, but not where they just stop everything and, you know, they just give take us right the way and stop, stop us right outside the grounds. Uh, and basically right outside the turnstile literally I'm you know no exaggeration we hopped off the bus and it was straight in so um no chance to have a have a have a, a few scoops before and there but we had a few bevies on the bus on the way um back to the game i was um it didn't take long you know we we started okay but it we we had a few scares where the uh, the central defence. There's always that kind of danger when Gareth Barry drops for the ball, uh, and both centre backs go out to the uh, to the to the flanks, and the full backs push up. There's always a danger of that if we lose possession of the ball. Uh, you know that space in behind Barry just like opens up, and we got caught. Uh, Lukaku dropped deep for the ball uh, went to lay it back played it straight into Djokovic uh, former blue uh, who laid it pretty easy through ball because there was no Everton defence there Um, and he rounded Tim Howard and made it one all very very early on into the game so great start from the Blues but then it was kind of we were pegged back pretty much straight away Lukaku had head in hands and then he held his hands up saying, you know, holding up responsibility, well, taking responsibility for the goal. So, nice to see that, but obviously not nice to see the mistake that led to that. Uh, going on from that, it wasn't long before the Blues were threatening again. And I think, sorry, I, I think I made a mistake in the first goal. The first goal was was quite crisp passing and it led to... You know, a, a number of passes which led to Etu's goal, and he was involved in a build-up. The second one for Everton was the 23-24 pass move, uh, and then Lukaku with a scooped finish um, to finish it off at the second time. And that was that was excellent movement from Everton. The first one was great movement. You know, great to find Bainsey out on the left, and then a great whipped ball in. Etu running from deep, powered ahead in it, headed in off the bar. Our second one was just great movement all over the pitch. It just, I, I think if it, if it was like, if it was someone like Arsenal or uh, Chelsea or whatever, they'd be raving about these twenty odd passes. Uh, but because it's Everton, it just kind of flies under the radar, which we sometimes like. Sometimes we'd like a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a little bit more of the press or the media to go on about us a little bit. But some, most of the time, it's nice for us to kind of fly under the radar because. That's when we do best. Um, but Everton go 2-1 up. We uh, we started to threaten a little bit more after that. Uh, there were a few other opportunities. No real efforts from Burnley. Uh, but opportunities or uh, occasions where our defence kind of parted again. Uh, so it's although it's a lot stronger than it has been. You know, the past couple of weeks we've been getting better and better and better. 
there are still a few uh, warning shots or like danger signs there. So I hope we don't get complacent on it. Uh, but you know, we've changed. We changed from Alcaraz and Jags to Distan and Jags again, and then back to Alcaraz and Jags. So we really need somebody having a steady run of games in the side um, before Stonesy comes back in. So I, I think it's going to be Alcaraz. To be honest, I think Alcaraz is going to get that get the nod in the league. Uh, but I think Distan's going to come back in for the European game. So. Um, I don't know whether I don't know whether we'll see somebody play six or seven games in a row in all competitions. So maybe we might not get that settled lineup. Um. So Everton two one up. You know, we, we, I think we were pretty much apart from the, the the warning signs. You know, we 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 had a few efforts. Um. You know, I think Nate Smith had a little run through, decent effort. Um. We were pretty comfortable, and then we put the game to bed pretty much late on. Uh, I think it was another little ball in from Bainesy, so it takes Bainesy's assists tally up even more, uh, and pretty much nothing on for Etu, but he just knocks the ball inside a little bit, sizes it up, and as soon as he sized that shot up, we've seen it in European football, uh, and for Barcelona, and for Inter, for Cameroon uh, for years and years and years and he just he just buried it into the far corner uh, inside of the fourth curled it it wasn't right in the corner but it was well beyond the goalkeeper and we saw it coming we were right in line with it uh, behind the goal uh, well I say it, I say behind the goal we were kind of in the corner up in the top corner somewhere but you know we were kind of right in line with where he was um, where he was lining it up and you know, great goal, great little bit of skill to knock it to make himself a yard, and great finish really. So three one up, in no danger again really. Um, could have had a hat trick, could that too. He rounded the goalie after a very very lax uh, a pass out from Burnley defender, and rounded the goalie very tight angle, and he. We were all cheering as it was, as we thought it was rolling in, and unfortunately it hit the inside of the post and rolled back out, which you you don't see that often. But you know, and he had a little smile, as if to say, you know, well, I don't know what as if to say whatever. <laughs> but two goals, good shift for Etu. His hold up play, his link up play, everything in the game. Uh, I think he played pretty much behind. Lukaku and he just it was just a masterclass from him really he was just excellent throughout and the song you heard at the beginning of the podcast this is how it feels to be Everton this is how it feels to be small you signed Lambert we signed Samuel Eto'o that song was ringing out around the stadium and it was ringing uh, around the bus on the way back and it was ringing around players after that and I'm sure it's been ringing around every Evertonian's head ever since because uh, we've we've got a real star in Samuel Eto'o and that song to the tune of the old uh, In Spiral Carpets indie classic This Is How It Feels To Be Lonely um, was just yeah just a uh, spot on spot on and it just it sums, sums, uh, sums Eto'o up 
really, um, you know, that getting comparing him to Ricky Lambert. You know, we talked a while ago about Ricky Lambert liking him, and then he, he went and signed for them. And you know the impact that he hasn't made for them so far this season. Whereas Etu's come in, and he's doing the biz. You know he's 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 he started off relatively. You know well his first touch for Everton he scored, uh, but apart from the, he's he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, if if Samuel Etu can ever actually do that, um, but then he has come in since. Yeah, he got one one goal in Europe, and then these two goals in uh, in a, in his his start last week against Burnley, and not just the goals, but the whole performance. So, uh, as far as, as man of the match go, you know, I, I don't think I don't see how you can look any further than Etu. Obviously, there's always shouts for McCarthy and Barry and Bainesy with two assists, but. You know, it's got to be Atu's, hasn't it? It's got to be Atu's man of the match. Uh, talking more a little bit about Etu in, in, a, in a little bit, um, hearing Derek Manfield's thoughts. Uh, just before that, I want to just talk a little bit about Burnley. Uh, I thought they, they, just, they just seemed to be resigned to the fact that they weren't going to get anything from the game. I put a very, very controversial... Uh, status up after the game um, on Sunday night uh, seemed to anger a few Evertonians. I think they misconstrued what the intention of the of the post was. Uh, I think the the use of my use of the word hostile. Uh, I didn't mean it to be like a you know like Millwall or Green Street or something like that. Just just there uh, with regards to. They, they, they were very welcoming and said about the police escort to and from the grounds. You know, we were in and out. There was just everything was, everyone was very not just polite, but they were like kind of bending over backwards for us, and that's great. You know, it's it's amazing uh, to to go to grounds and get that. And uh, I, I think Everton do it the right way. Everton are very very helpful. The police are always very friendly. The fans are always very friendly. Uh, well, mostly friendly with away fans and you know you, you tend to get a good bit of light-hearted banter with the with Burnley it was like bending over backwards they bent over backwards uh, the fans were no real banter or anything like that um, it was just everyone was very nice very very nice and when we just beat them 3-1 and people have been taking giving me stick for saying this and even making a point of this, but they were waving and smiling as our coach was setting off. And you know, normally when you go to away grounds, whether you win or you lose, uh, you, you pass fans on the way out of the grounds and on the way out of the city, and they'll all be like banging on the windows or uh, you know, getting you trying to get your attention and sticking two fingers up or doing wanker signs or and stuff like that. These fans were like just waving and smiling and. Maybe I'm just being a little bit harsh, or um, maybe I'm just used to the, the, you know the, the former behaviour. But I, I think it's just a little bit. They're a little bit grateful to be in the Premier League, and I, I think what I was trying to say it goes from the top to the bottom of the club. They're very grateful for the fans, the team, everybody. 
if they had a little bit of more of a hostile kind of nature about them, like I say, nobody said, let's make it like Green Street. And I, I even said in the status, I, nobody's saying be a tool, because nobody wants to see that. I think, as I say, Everton do things the right way. The, you know, our fans, if a team comes and beats us, and beats us well, we'll be respectful. You know, and then we, but we we won't stick around and be all smiley and wavy and stuff like that. I hate watching Everton lose, and I couldn't imagine ever being that smiley after the game. So, I don't know. It was very controversial anyway. Loads of people picked up on the use of the word hostile and said, you, "You're you're one of the, you're, I bet you're one of those people who says no pyro, no party, and I bet you're one of those people those football hooligan types." And anybody who knows me will know I am the furthest away from that that, that you can get. So, we you know, anyway, I think they had a little bit more grit, the fans included, and you know, you you, you don't want to put everything on a plate for an opposition team. Uh, as I said before, I'd, if we went to every ground and it was that nice and everyone was that pleasant then it'd be great and Everton would fly through these games. Uh, a, f- a few people like Stuart Tag, the regular on our, on our Facebook page and sometime listener, he said it, it has nothing that has nothing to do with the result on the pitch. I don't I don't think I agree. I think uh, I think it, it, it goes from the top to the bottom of the club. I think the the, the it, if the the club puts more fight in or the fans put more fight in then it kinda of breeds to each other. It's like you know, it's like saying Everton fans getting behind a team doesn't do anything to help the team. I don't always agree with that. I think sometimes sometimes you're beaten by a better team, but sometimes the fans can kind of give your team an extra boost. So, I'm not saying the support was rubbish, by no means. I think they just, because they're new to the Premier League again and maybe the way that they've come up, uh, just have a little bit more about you. Burnley, <laughs> who am I to even suggest this to another club or to any club or to even our own club? I don't know, but that's just my thoughts on it, you know. But what do I know? So, just uh, another another victory for the Blues anyway, nice to see. And here we have uh, Derek Manfield's thoughts on our striking situation at the moment. Um, I don't Lukaku we know what he can do when he does it but he doesn't do it enough for me um, whether it's that rather over the top price tag we paid for him I don't know but I just don't think he he's got it in him we, we, we see what he can do what is, that, is that three or four he's got this season now I can't remember three um, I don't know uh, Eto's Eto's I think is is quality whether he plays many games, I don't know. But my worry for Eto is he's going to be putting balls into boxes and players are going to be going, that's a great ball, Sam. Oh, shit, it should have been there. Because he's so much more advanced technically and, and mentally than some of our players. Um, my, my, my big point is, is Stephen Naismith. I think he's, he's making... He's making Lukaku's job a lot easier by doing all this bloody work for him. It's a bit like Duncan, Ferg- uh, Duncan McKenzie and Joe, Jim, Jim Pearson with Bob Blatchford. They always say that Bob Blatter killed their careers if Bob just stood there getting the goals and Pearson and McKinsey ran out and just getting the ball for him. But Lukaku's got to be stronger. Naismith will score goals. His energy is phenomenal. It's brilliant. 
But whether they get 15 goals a season, I really don't know. I'd like to say that a Cardiff can get 15, 20, 25, but for me, I said before, he's got to be aggressive. Um, as for Jack's getting three goals, I think he's got his quota for the season now. After another four years, the next three come on up. Okay, so Derek's thoughts on the Everton striking situation there. That was prior, actually, to the Burnley game. So, obviously, he was right about Etu. Uh, Lukaku's got another goal since then. And Naismith's got another solid performance since then as well. So, good to hear from Derek, as always. Good to have him back. Uh, he was in players with Paul uh, last week. So, good to see him. Last time, last few times he's been there before then, he's brought his medals with him and he'll let people take pictures with the medals and you know no other player that I know of has ever done anything like that so he's so down to earth you know he's just a credit to Everton the way he does that kind of thing he he, he was a, a fan before he signed for the Blues he used to stand on a Gladys and I think he realises he's really in touch with uh, how fans should act and how the fans feel about things so yeah, nice to nice to hear from Derek, um, and also nice for the Blues to be uh, back in the top half of the table. Slowly working our way back up. I think we went up to ninth, um, so hopefully we can push on and keep building on after a, a pretty much uh, a shaky start to the season. And I'll be back in a sec with all the Everton news of the week. There's been a fair bit of Everton news this week. The main talking point really has been the release of Leon Osman, of all people. Uh, he's released his autobiography, Ozzy. It's, um, I think I saw a little bit of uh, info about it saying that it's the first ever book released by a player who's not won a single honour in his career. So I don't think that's a good stat to have, uh, really. Um, some of the stories that have come out have caused a little bit of a stir, which I suppose is the you know what you're meant to do when you release these kind of things. Preferably when you're not playing anymore, if I'm honest, um, and preferably when you've not already got half the crowd against you. Um, but the the stories in particular, the first one, which was less controversial, was talked about. Uh, Everton being on a night out I think it was Christmas just passed so it was when uh, Roberto was still in charge and they were in the Camp and Furnace in town and they'd had a few scoops or whatever and a couple of the players took it upon themselves to I think it was, I think they said they picked Osman up and threw him into a Christmas tree in the uh, in the Camp and Furnace and I think it was Robles and possibly uh, Jagielka. And uh, he he had been texting at the time and his phone had gone missing. And then the next day in training, the, um, the phone was returned to him by Jagielka. And I think he said something like, you might want to check your messages, your outgoing messages. So Osman on checking some, checking them, uh, noticed that there was one sent to David Moyes or something re- uh, returned from David Moyes. But 
couldn't see what the actual message was, so sent a text out saying, sorry gaffer. This this has always also caused a little bit of a confusion because he still refers to David Moyes as gaffer, but I don't think that's unheard of in football. I think football is still called a lot of the ex-managers gaffer. But anyway, he said, uh, sorry gaffer if you received any texts uh, off me last night. The lads played a bit of a prank on me and got me phone. Uh, and he was met with the response of I want names by David Moyes so whatever the message was it can't have been something too flattering to Mr Moyes um, because he got uh, I could just imagine uh, Moyes stony faced with that reply I want names Um, well in in a Scottish accent of course Uh, and Osman uh, refused to get back to him because um, (laughs) God knows what was sent from his phone. Anyway, the second one was a little bit more controversial. And it was his thoughts on um, Moyes' last game in charge, actually, uh, at Goodison. When he said his farewell after the game. And also, Phil Neville said his farewell. And we also had a guest that day, Tim Cahill, who came out and said his farewell. And the way Leon put it was that... Uh, obviously Moyes and Neville good servant to the club Moyes 11 years um, Neville 8 years most of those as captain you know they came out first and second and they got their applause and then the, the, the biggest cheer of the day was for Tim Cahill who came out third and he, he said that if he was Tim Cahill he would have. Uh, he wouldn't have kind of tried to get in on that moment. He would have given them their time. So uh, he thought he was a little bit in the wrong there. And I think the the words he used was something like, "You got those guys there, and then you've got someone who's never won anything at Everton, and he gets like this hero's reception." So it came across as a little bit. Well, you could see why people would say, look, it was a little bit like sour grapes or a little bit of jealousy or a little bit of some kind of ill feeling. But later on in the same story, he said that they all went out for a meal that day and uh, later on that night and uh, Tim Kayla went to the toilet and when he came back from the toilet, everyone stood up and gave him a round of applause, you know, obviously mocking what had happened previously. So... You know, it it wasn't. It, it doesn't seem like it was an opinion that was just uh, Osman's. It, it seemed like it was shared by the rest of the people, and I can see exactly what he was saying. To be honest, maybe Tim Kale could have come out at half time, and you know, said his goodbye that way because he 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 left Everton in the winter before, and he never really had a chance to say goodbye. So getting his own his own goodbye would have been nice if he'd done that before the uh, before the game or at half time. Or, you know, if he'd have come out first and then Moyes and uh, never laughter. But I think the, the thought was he might overshadow him and, and he kind of did. But I think that's a little bit of a lack of foresight by uh, the people in charge of doing the PA stuff for Everton. But it's Osman's opinion. And a lot of people, obviously, Leon's not in favour at the moment. Uh, he, he's not everyone's favourite player at the moment. But he's an Evertonian uh, and it's just his opinion on it. I don't think I don't think there's any kind of malice in what he's written. 
but the way it's come out has been blown up like he's jealous of Cahill jealous of Cahill the way the reputation with the fans so I, I think it's something and often to be honest and yeah whatever it doesn't make me think any less of Osman uh, I just think the timing of it with the way he's being viewed by the some of the fans a large section of the fans actually at the moment I think it could have come at a better time so that's that's been the main talking point of the week, news-wise. Um, some other one one other little bit from that was apparently uh, after Marouane Fellaini's first Merseyside derby, we got beat two 0 and Tim Cahill was sent off. There was some incident in the changing room afterwards where Fellaini kind of got in Osman's face, and Osman, in classic scouse uh, scouse form, got up and said. All right then, you and me outside now. I'm sure it sounds exactly like that. Uh, and then Tony Hibbert had to step in between. <laughs> we just imagine little Leon Osman with uh, giant Fellaini, eight inches taller than him. Um, but you know, gritty Osman. I think he would have been a bit of an ankle biter and might have held his own there. But who knows? So that was another little uh, little thing that came out of the book. Um, other news. Kone and Oviedo are back again, approaching full fitness again. Uh, Oviedo had those screws remo- uh, removed from his knee, so he looks like you know, apparently the, the term was uh, sh- ready to play shackle free. So it'd be good to have Oviedo back in. It'd be good to have Kone back in as well. Uh, but there's been a few murmurs going around, and this isn't news, this is just rumour. Uh, I've not heard anything concrete on this at all. It's something that, again, that was shared on Facebook and Twitter uh, that uh, Kone uh, is rumoured to be announcing his retirement in the very near future. And no idea where this has come from. Uh, This has happened to Everton before, I think, when we signed Slavon Bilic for quite a big fee. Uh, and he, he, he didn't last that long at Everton and he had to retire pretty soon. I think Danny Williamson as well, but he he had injury for a number of years. So I'm not sure how that worked out. But there's been a few people saying that we if it happened, we can claim on the insurance. And again, Aruna Kone, not one of the most popular players at Everton at the moment. So a lot of people saying, good, hope he does and all that kind of stuff. Very unfair. And I think people need to remember what colour shirt these fellas wear. These are Everton players, so let's just get behind them. You know, imagine as an Evertonian, as an Everton player, if you saw Evertonians, it's like the stuff with Sylvan Distan again. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's just so it's so easy to throw out opinions now with Twitter and Facebook and stuff. And are they genuine feelings or are they just throwaway comments which, you know, intended to get a little bit of a laugh or a little bit of a shock comment, a shock value uh, reaction? Um, I, d- I don't think anybody wants to see Kone get his career sh- cut, uh, cut short this soon, especially after Everton have gone and paid, what, £6 million for him. We want to see the lad come back and hopefully do a good job for us. I mean, I'm assuming we do anyway. Um, so they're back in anyway uh, closed doors friendlies again for them too 
So we we the as as far as closed doors friendlies go, they are closed doors at at uh, at the moment because we, we we haven't heard anything of uh, you know who the opponents were or anything or whether it's even happened yet. So, but hopefully they can get back and knock it on the door very soon. Uh, news that came out uh, last night or this morning, Everton have, uh, to Bill Kenwright's immense pleasure have uh, recorded and announced announced a record profit of twenty eight point two million uh, this year, so nearly twenty times the total in twenty twelve thirteen. Uh, it's the Sky and BT money, gate receipts, uh, probably transfer money in there as well. So pretty much paid for Lukaku, really. So if you think about that way, maybe Lukaku on a free along with Etu. So good business, really. Uh, speaking about Etu, Roberto, in classic Roberto fashion, has come out with another great soundbite this week and said that Samuel Etu is a gift from the footballing gods. Well, that's the way it's being. Uh, that's the way it's being spun by the media. I think he said one of the goals or his performance was a gift from the gods, or the way the way he is in training. But anyway, whatever whatever way you want to attribute that the, the say the, the phrase, uh, it's a nice soundbite anyway, isn't it? And I'm sure it'll turn up on a flag or many memes or you know many just many many pictures over the uh, over the coming years. Um. Speaking of also continuing with Etu, he is on course to trigger a clause that will see him stay at Everton for a second year. The two-year contract that he signed the first year, the second sorry, the second year was dependent on him making a number of appearances for Everton, and he's already on course to to make those appearances. And I think the, every intention was for have him here for at least two years anyway, and that's what Roberto has come out and said. So. As, as the way it's going at the moment, you know, he, he could go on to to be here for a number of years and have an immense um, impact on Everton. Uh, according to Bob Latchford, Everton legend, who knows a thing or two about playing up front, has said that Etu will have an impact on Romelu Lukaku, and you ca- you can't really doubt. Latchford's opinion on that, can you? It can only help having a player of Etu's uh, quality and experience playing up front. And, you know, many players have come out and said this, many former players and fans alike have said this. It can only benefit a young lad like Lukaku having someone like Etu there. I just hope it's sooner rather than later, to be honest. Um, Also on Lukaku, he apparently picked up a number of... uh, heavy knocks last week against Burnley uh, I don't think it's as much uh, as far as uh, to make him a doubt for this weekend's game but it's something that he is carrying and he does seem to have a number of these niggling injuries from the start of the season from following on from the World Cup to just picking up bits here and there uh, you know and he's, he's on four goals for the season now and it, you know it's not the worst start you know he didn't it's that twenty-eight million pound price tag again, isn't it? That you know, Derek Manfield talked about four goals is all right. Maybe because he's not coming and 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 done a Costa 
and 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 hit the ground running for the season. But he's doing all right. Um, that terrible pass aside last week. Uh, also, uh, Darren Gibson uh, picked up nod his uh, nod jarred his knee in uh, in training, so he. Again, he's not likely to be a doubt, but it's something that he's picked up and they're keeping an eye on. So, uh, Other bits of Everton news. Hallam Hope was recalled from Chef Wednesday, and I don't think this uh, signals any intention from Roberto that he's going to be around the first-team squad. I just don't think Chef Wed will be using him at all, so it's a shame for him. Uh, maybe he'll be able to get a better a better loan out uh, and somewhere where he'll get some game time. Uh, Roberto's come out this week and said that he won't be looking for a centre-back in January. Uh, uh, hopefully, J- uh, John Stones will be back full fitness then. Uh, Alcaraz will get a run of games under his belt and Distan will be back to his best then, so hopefully he won't need one. Stephen Naismith is walking a disciplinary tightrope. He's on four yellows after picking a booking up uh, against Burnley at the weekend so one more and he sits, has to sit a game out I don't know when that goes up to I think it get, if you get towards Christmas time I think that uh, gets the it gets wiped and then you can start again I think I'm not I'm not too sure uh, on on the ins and outs of that um, some knock on effect from the Lille game and the actions that went down there um, Everton are seeking uh, explanation from Leo Police, and I think the mayor of Liverpool, uh, Joe Anderson, has also been trying to get answers about this. Whether we'll we'll get anything or any kind of apology or anything like that, I don't know. Um, going on to that game though, the return game, m- the majority of Everton fans have, have kind of. Uh, that we've seen on Facebook uh, have kind of said let's not sink to their level you know the Merseyside police will do their job I don't think they'll do anything remotely like what Lille have done Uh, I just hope our fans will react in the same manner and let the actions of you know a few very few small minded thugs who I think the ringleader was uh, sent down earlier earlier this week. Uh, I hope we I hope we can let it go. It's not about being pussies or whatever you want to say. Uh, it's just about being the bigger, you know, being being the bigger man or the bigger club or the bigger set of fans, whatever you want to call it. And I hope we can let it go because it, the fallout would be a lot greater uh, than what it'd be worth. Um. Back to Everton players. John Stones this week was nominated for uh, FIFA's Golden Boy Award. So, a number of youngsters around the world. Uh, maybe people might have been surprised by uh, Ross Barkley not being in there. But I don't know. I don't know whether I am or I, I'm not. I'm, I'm more surprised with Stones actually being in there than Barkley not being in there. Uh, I don't think that he's going to win it when you look at the young talent around the world at more fashionable clubs than Everton. But it's a, it's nice, to, again, to get a little bit of notice. So, mixed bag of Everton news this week. Uh, so, I'm going to come back in a sec with a little bit of uh, social media 
Here's our links. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. There's our social media links. Feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Instagram has uh, kind of bit the dust a little bit at the moment because we just haven't got the time to do it. And it just takes so long to take pictures of your tea every night, so we can't really get uh, get it going at the moment. Um, Social media section. We put a question out there this week through Carl. Uh, Just before I go into this, Osman, as all, uh, also as well as his uh, story about the text to Moise's phone, he's also said that maybe uh, we should kind of let bygones be bygones. He loved Everton, and it makes him sad to see uh, the, the, the way the situation, how it's developed, you know, since since he left the club. So, is he right? Basically, uh, so the, the question from Carl. After recent comments from Leon Osman, is it maybe time we forgive David Moyes? It hardly worked out well for him, and I'm pretty sure he would regret leaving us now. Uh, and that question was accompanied by that famous picture when Man United visited, visited Goodison last year with the Grim Reaper holding his scythe. Uh, I think it was a Paddy Power stunt in the end, but, you know, uh, still a great picture. So first... Ben Williams, he did a lot of good things when he said he had buttons to spend, but he said some ill-advised things after he left. Uh, Stuart Tag completely rebuilt the team, took over a shite ageing side and made us a regular top seven side. Um, Connor Murphy, I wish people would let it go, it's done and dusted now. Ian Porch, he needs to say sorry for his actions when he left. And Lisa Dunn, never forgive him. Joe Foxen, he took us from a team that struggled to stay in the league to a team who qualified the Champions League in a cup final. I don't care what people say. It's time to forgive him. He, was always, he will always have my respect for what he did for us. Um, Alan Hock. Defo. The guy saved us. Simple as. Plus gave us £28 million for Fellaini. I'll, also, I'll always be grateful what he did for us. Uh, Stephen Davies. It's the way he conducted his business with Baines and Fellaini and the things he said about he'd let them leave to go to a bigger club. He can go on rough for disturbing our players like that. If he hadn't come out with all that, I would have wished him the best. Uh, Gavin McKinley. I must admit, I laughed when things didn't go well for him at United, but when it was obvious that the players didn't respect him, I felt sorry for him. Truth is, he was out of his depth at United and I suppose he got what he deserved in the end. But I'll always look back fondly on the Moise years and wish him luck for the future. Um, Dave Gaffer, I personally think Moyes did a great job for us and thank him for what he achieved with us. Taking us from fourth bottom to fourth in the Prem on a shoestring, bringing players like KL, Baines, Coleman to our great club. And let's face it, the time was right for both of us when he went and we ended up with a manager. That's taken what Moyes had and moved it on again. I say thank you, David Moyes, and good luck in the future. So, we've got a, quite a few positive saying, let the past uh, be in the past kind of things. Uh, it wasn't all like that. Um, there's a few saying, F the ginger, F 
remember how we treated our club when he left. I, I this is Steve Warner. I, as one, will never forgive the TWAT, and he wrote that same thing four times. So we obviously feel strongly about it. Uh, Peter Kruppenbacher, I'm over it. But what he did when he left sucks. But we've got Roberto in Europe now to focus on. The only way is forward. Joe Foxen, can 11 years of good work be undone in one season? He worked wonders on a non-existent transfer budget. He wasn't given anywhere near the money Martinez has. Took us from relegation battles to Champions League and finished above Redshite on numerous occasions. <coughs> Excuse me. Gary Jeffkins, we don't need to hold any hate to him. We moved on, are even stronger now. Nobody should forget when Moyes started with us. We were shocking and he laid a, fa- a lot of the foundations for what Bobby had, has been able to take on. Luke Magnus, no, and I'm not a fan of the things Osmond has been saying in this book. The other being about his, where he's bad and Tim Cale, about mooching in on Moyes' send-off. Not being funny, does he not remember Tim Cale's final game? He never got a piss and send-off, no thanks to that dirty C-U-N-T. Goodbye. Um... Gareth Rowlands, yes, but that photo was still funny. Chris Harry, no. Dave Murphy, I don't forgive Leon Osman. <laughs> that useless bastard cost us our unbeaten home record against Sunderland. I can't forgive him for being shit. Um, Liam Everton FC Floyd, since when has Ever- Moyes liked youth? Never. He is play, he, as he played youth, Baxter, Gosling, that Germany guy, I can't remember his name, it was still here, Barkley would be gone, so, so would Stones. He brought in Stones. Uh, Baxter hasn't really done anything, uh, you know, he's playing alright in lower league sides. Gosling failed at Newcastle and now can't get into the Bournemouth side, so, you know, he's right in, in that sense. As, uh, the other arguments, I suppose, were James Vaughan never got a run. Velios didn't really get a look in towards the end. Uh, but where are they now? You know they're, they're not in. The, they're not doing. Um, they're not doing well in 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 other top teams, are they? So maybe he's right on this. I don't know. Uh, the stuff about Barkley. If we would have thrown him in that season earlier rather than loading them out. I don't know where would we, where would he be now? Would he be would he be in the same boat or would he have uh, been burnt out? Would he be doing a Raheem Sterling and be too tired to do anything? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm just playing devil's advocate on that one. Um, there's a few others. Who, there's there's a lot of people who say you know let bygones be bygones, uh, but there's a few saying no. Um, and a lot of people who just think that you know he's burnt his bridges. I suppose uh, just one more here, Michelle Hughes. Moyes wasn't very wise with his words and showed no respect when he bid for Baines and Fellaini, but he left us in very good shape and he was responsible for that solid back four in place last season. The sixty grand Seamus Coleman we all sing for. Moyes signing along with Jags, Distan, Baines, and Howard. He also bought in Morales and Stones. Yes, he didn't take chances on some youth, but he built a nucleus of the team, and Martinez inherited a strong side. I think the main kind of feeling about it is that 
you know, the negative side of things is that he disrespected Everton when he came back in and he offered such a measly amount for two of our star players after basically saying when he was in the in as Everton manager that he um he wouldn't let our players go on the cheap. So in a sense he's doing his job for Man United and in a sense he's doing what Roberto did by trying to get players from his old club on the cheap. Roberto went and got Alcaraz, Robles, uh, Kone and McCarthy. But it just it was just uh, a little bit hypocritical after being saying saying that, you know, being so adamant when he was in charge of Everton that he wouldn't let players go on the cheap. Um, also, the, the other thing that like gets on people's nerves is the fact that the news that, that came out that he was running his contract down and loads of people thought that he was trying to you know, angle so he would be able to get funds from the board and be able to compete financially with other clubs when you know, now it's become apparent that he was looking for better offers. So that was that's the other real issue there. But I don't know, I mean maybe in time, you know, maybe maybe if he does you know, I can't ever see him apologizing. But maybe if he does an interview and you know, some kind of reflection on his time and how he left and maybe it wasn't the best idea to do that. Maybe that would be a little bit of an olive branch or maybe since you know he made those remarks and you know the songs about him since then and the way Everton fans kind of turned on him maybe he doesn't want to be welcome back at Goodison anymore you never know um but I I would I'd like to for the, for the good work he did in 11 years for us whether it was time for him to move on or not I'd like to say that he would be welcome back at some point, um, not not in a in a, any kind of role. Just you know, the, Walter Smith is probably going to be welcome back at Goodison. And what did he do at Everton? So you think about it. David Moyes did a million times more. Just turned our club around, and you know there's no place for him. So hopefully, hopefully something can get sorted out. Anyway, there were a few a few things going out on social media this week about Osman's book, and um, as I talked about that earlier on, and there was a lot of fallout of like Osman should keep his mouth shut. He's 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 rubbish anyway, and all that kind of stuff. And that's just using the uh, the PG version of what was said. Thanks for everyone who's got in touch, and thanks for everyone who's continuing to follow us on Facebook. You know, we did have some controversial. Uh, posts this week um, but it doesn't seem to have lost us any uh, any followers despite people saying the site because of one status being that one that people kind of misconstrued last week about the uh, the hostile nature of or the non-hostile nature of Burnley uh, you know people sticking with us so cheers for that Um Going to have a little bit of a look ahead now at Everton's upcoming games. Uh, Lille will follow in a sec. Uh, I'm going to have more from Derek Manfield on Everton support in Europe, which is uh, 
I suggest you stick around for because just great words from Derek. I'm going to start off though the upcoming game against Swansea at the weekend. Swansea's visit to Goodison. Um, prior to the uh, the cup defeat this season, we'd never lost to Swansea. Um, and the way we just kind of gave up the ghost in that game was very, very disappointing. And I'm sure we owe them one for it. Uh, Swansea mixed bag at the moment. The beat... Leicester last weekend, uh, Boney amongst the scorers, uh, looks quality. You know he was one of the ones when we we were looking to sign Lukaku. He was like a, a real alternative who fans thought we could go out and get a little bit cheaper than Lukaku, and do a similar job. Uh, you know he's, he definitely got quality about him, a bit bit of skill, strength, good in the air, uh, good finisher. So he'll, he will definitely be one to watch for us. Uh, so as I say, mixed bag. They beat Leicester last week, but they went down to, uh, to a 2-1 defeat by Liverpool uh, in the Cup. So Lovren uh, scoring late on for Liverpool. Uh, Swansea 1-0 up. Mario Balotelli coming off the bench to prove his worth. For God. How many times have you heard this 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 lad slated over the past week by Liverpool fans, and now he's a hero again? But yeah. So anyway, Swansea go down two-one defeat. So they're a decent side, Swansea. Obviously, um, we, we talked about them a little bit over the since we've been doing the podcast because they they still they've still got the uh, the foundation there that Roberto put in place for uh, for them. The, they're a good football inside they have good fullbacks uh, obviously a good, good attacker uh, good set of fans so it won't I said this about the Villa game last you know, a week and a half ago two weeks ago uh, it won't be an easy game at all uh, and then we ended up beating Villa 3-0 and looked very very comfortable so I'm hoping if I say that it won't be an easy game at all Again, that we can get a similar result. Um, I don't know whether Etu and Lukaku will start off, start again together. Uh, this was another thing I put out on Facebook. I can't see Lukaku, Etu, Naismith and Barkley all starting together. I think in fantasy land where you can just choose whatever players... And not really have any repercussions, or on FIFA where you you can control whoever, or on Footy Manager, then you can pick whoever you want, and you know you you could bring in Ross Barkley for Leon Osman, but this is reality. I can't see those four players playing together or starting together. If we're chasing the game later on, then maybe, but I I just can't see it. Um, Barry McCarthy, yes, I think Alcaraz will keep his place. As I said earlier on in the podcast, um, the only person I can see coming in for Osman, if Osman doesn't uh, get the nod, is Pienaar because Pienaar came on last week. 
Um, and the only way I can see Barkley coming in is if Etu or Naismith drop down. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, to see come 2 o'clock uh, what lineup he goes with there. Because uh, I think Etu would obviously be very unlucky to lose his place after uh, starring last week. Uh, Lukaku might drop down if he's nursing a few knocks and then put Etu up top and bring Barkley in behind. So we, we've definitely got some good options there. Still got McGeady knocking on the door. I still don't... Uh, when we've got players fully fit, I don't think he'll be good enough to oust them. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people st- still singing McGeady's praises at the moment. Hopefully when Morales is fit, that will give us a real, real positive headache because then rather than having uh, three into f- you know, four into three, we'll have five into three in that and then we'll have you know three competing for that left side and midfield spot as well or four. You know, it's it's a uh, it's maths that I can't comprehend at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I just can't can't work it out. Hopefully uh when Oviedo's back he will push Osman and Pinar for that left side of midfield. That left side of midfield slot, I, I said the, the other the other week that Osman would be uh, in com- in competition for that pos- uh, for that position, and got ridiculed by somebody who doesn't obviously watch Everton that often. He was like, "Well, why would Osman be on the left? He would would he will be because he's played there before. He's an option out there." Uh, I'm not saying he's the best option because he he definitely isn't because I, I thought at, at Burnley at the weekend we didn't have that with there. Uh, Osman was cutting in far too much whether he, whether that's from uh, the manager's instructions or just because he wants to be involved in the play but I, I think he's he's in, in, in competition for that place with, um, with Oviedo once he's back and as I say Pinar so I think if Pinar's Approaching full fitness, I think he'll get the nod anyway. As you all know, I'm not one for predictions. I just hope we can, uh, I hope we can get a similar result to the the Villa game. If we can control the game like we did there, control the game like we did against Burnley, get three goals again, then I don't think there should be any danger. Uh, but as I say, you know, there's always a danger with Swansea uh, with Boney up front, and we've got a few other. Players uh, who, who can who can put the ball about as well. Shelby can can hit them from range and can pass from all over the show. So two to watch there. Um, but hopefully we can come out on top. Um, before we go into the Lille game, uh, I just want to play that clip from uh, Derek Manfield, and I'm sure I'll have all you Blues smiling because he has a few nice words to say. It's probably a lot different now than well from when we were there. We just got on a plane at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, landed, went to the hotel, had our food, went to bed, played again football and came home. There wasn't all the rats and the tats and who all there is now with the build-up to it, with Sky and everything, TV. It was just get out there and play your game. But I always look back to, I bet you go to places like Bratislava, and you're always amazed that you see you lot over there. You know, look at Krasnodar the other week, and we had... Um, who went to Krasnodar? Did, did they let you out? Uh, it just amazed me that you, you've got the, the guts, the determination, the energy, and the will to go and do it. 
as players, we really appreciate the support you give us. It was fantastic. Whatever we went, you were always there singing your heart out. But I'm just amazed that you have the, the guts to do it. Some of these people, that, some of the journeys I hear they make to get to places like Krasadorf, Bratislava. Well, it, it just, just absolutely amazes when you get there. But as for the, for the players, we... We, have, we went like they are nowadays, we went pampered and spoiled. We were just normal people who happened to be very good at football. And I think most of us are still the same way now. Um, and we used to train, Howard never ever changed his, his pre-match routine. All, all of us never changed it once. If you played at Wembley, we went down Friday afternoon. If you played at Arsenal, we went down Friday afternoon. But they say Wembley, yeah, second home, wasn't it once? Um, but the other team ties who used to get on a plane at, at the old Speak Airport, with all the fans behind us and the press on the plane and we'd fly over to wherever we went and we'd just come straight back after the game and come straight back and I just think it's slightly different now because of all the media hype and, and I, I do think now there's probably a bit more passion in you lot than there was in the 80s I think it was a bit of a surprise and a bonus for us what we did, I think you felt the same at times and there's a bit more passion around the fans now when it comes to European football because we don't get it very often and after what we did in the 85 season we had to wait a long time to get back in there. I think you, you appreciate it a bit more now. You grab it when you can and you, and you try and take the most out of it because some European ships don't come on very often. And I know how much I've enjoyed the couple in the, in the past. And when I went to Lisbon and got beat in, please, it wasn't my fault. I got told it was my fault for the next 24 hours after I got beat in Lisbon 3 0. It was my fault. And honestly, I didn't take your boots. I gave them to Sender or stuff. <laughs> Um, but no, we, we appreciate the support you do. The, the, the fans, are, are, I think the fans are the most important part of any football club. And you lot just absolutely blow our socks away for the support you give us. In the 80s, it was magnificent. But now I just think it's another level. You, 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 you put your life on the line sometimes to go to some of these European ships. And all credit to you. Enjoy it while you can. So thanks for those nice words, Derek. Uh, interesting what he had to say there about how, how much it's changed now and fans have seem even more uh, more into it now and more willing to get abroad now. I think, in part, it has to do with um, the internet making the world a smaller place, you know, making it easier to get all all, all these places with cheap flights and um, just bringing people together. And I don't know, I mean, maybe that's one thing, that's, that's you know, people getting uh, paid a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's one of the reasons uh, why you know that why we took what ten thousand plus to Lille last week. But you know Lille's visit this round, this time round, will they bring as many over here? I guarantee that they will. They won't. You know I, I think what well, they might have two, three thousand. So we had ten thousand plus. I mean it was more like fifteen thousand. If the report to be to be believed maybe 18,000 go over to Lille and then we took 4,000 to Burnley away like three days later so amazing and um, Derek talks about going to places like Bratislava and then uh, Krasnodar you know it it is amazing when you think of these countries like war-torn countries and Everton fans are are literally risking their life uh, to go over there and you know I, I didn't manage to get to the Krasnodar game I think only 500 Blues did so I applaud them you know that's just amazing uh, and I, I consider myself a, a, like a decent 
you know, supporter who goes to the game. I'm not saying that people who don't go to the game aren't. Uh, you know, but people, people who, who do go. Like, and go all over the show. I just my hat goes off to them because it's the time, the money, the commitment. Um, it's just absolutely amazing, and it's amazing that so many do it. So, hats off to you, Blues. Uh, talking about the Lille game, uh, their visit to us, uh, a solid point over there. I think you said that, said that last week. Nil nil, very creditable draw, and sees us sitting top of the group. We need a different result this time. I mean, if we if we draw, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but I think we've really got to go for the juggler with this. Um, seeing what we saw out there, we've got to be taking three points, whether it be a one nil or a two one or whatever. Uh, they're a good side. They've got some uh, really good attacking options. We'll talk about in in a sec. Uh, but we we should we should be doing it just based on the performance levels. Uh, and how we can play. Uh, some of their attackers they've got, they've got obviously Origi, who uh, who's on loan from the Shite. They've got a lot, uh, a lot of power and pace, and keeping Lukaku out the Belgium t- uh, side at the moment. They've got Korcha, they've got Adrissa Gay, and they've got Rodelan who came on. I think if we uh, want to exploit anyone, possibly Suarez. On the uh, in the full-back position, I think it was left-back. He looked all right going forward, uh, but he looked very shaky in defence. He was one of those defenders, uh, and when the when the ball came round and you know came down the line, and there was there was no, only uh, not even much of an uh, any pressure on him. He put it into touch just uh, just to be safe, and that to me always says. From a fullback who you expect to be a little bit, you know, a little bit better on the ball, it says that he doesn't fancy it much. So hopefully, um, if if we've got whoever we've got out there out there on the right, can put a bit of pressure and get Seamus Coleman on the overlap rather than Hibbert this time, and then really put a lot of pressure on him and get him behind. Uh, talking about getting Coleman in, I'm hoping. He's uh, he's approaching full fitness again. I just I still worry though that I think you know we, we've got over the thing where we're going to play in the sub goalie now. I think Howard's going to start, but um, I just I don't know whether he's going to he still might rotate a few of the players. I think Distan will probably come back in, and I think obviously depending on how we go against Swansea injuries and that, um, but I think. Distan will come back in, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Hibber come back in. I mean, I say it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me, surprise me completely to see Hibber come back in. I, I, I really want to see Coleman keep his place. Uh, Besic will probably come in for either Barry or McCarthy. Uh, I'm hoping it will be now that McCarthy's had a little bit of a rest. Maybe Barry could do with the rest this time round, and we get to see McCarthy and Bessage together. A lot more energy there, but maybe not as much as experience. Um, but very interesting to see how, how, how we line up there. Again, I think it depends on the weekend. If Barkley doesn't start against Swansea, I think he's a set to start against Lille. If Etu doesn't start against Swansea, he's a set. 
if Lukaku's rested, I think he'll play against. It's all. It, it is a little bit of a rotation game. I want to see uh, the strongest lineup, but what is the strongest lineup? I think we've got two two possible strongest lineups at the moment. It's just finding a balance between them. Um, so we might have to change the way we play a little bit rather than that four five one, which he has been doing because we we haven't been playing with two wingers as such we've been playing with maybe one out wide and another coming in a little bit more narrow so maybe he'll go with that uh, but tough game again but hopefully we'll be going into it if we if we get a result against Swansea that's a real good run of form we're putting together uh, so you know we win against Villa the draw against Lille win against Burnley if we can beat Swansea then everyone's confidence will be high uh, and look at how we played when we were playing with confidence last season so yeah that that will be I'm recording this on Friday morning this week because I wanted to give Mark every opportunity to try and uh, to, to get back on, get back on after work and stuff where he obviously, obviously couldn't make it um, so this time next week the game will be done and dusted this time next week uh, I will probably have already recorded the post Leal podcast, <laughs> a lot of peas there, um, and hopefully I will be talking about two Everton wins again. Um, that will wrap up today's podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Derek Monfield pieces. Uh, I know I certainly did. Um, if you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, once again, keep sharing us, please, folks. Uh, Facebook are still killing us on it. Uh, we can only share once and any time we share again it just get gets limited to something like 0.05 percent of uh the people who can see the post on on facebook so if if you share it that means your your friends will see it um and that's the only way we're going to reach any more people uh thanks as always to the people listening on, on itunes if you have an apple device and you listen to soundcloud this week uh, why don't you subscribe to us and you get the podcast weekly every sometimes Thursday night but it, it, it's it's release date is uh, Fridays now with the UEFA games uh, Europa games even so uh, go and do that uh, once again thanks for everyone who's been getting in touch thanks for your continued support and uh, thank you for everything for making it another happy week come on you blues <laughs> <laughs>